When as one gospel love edition, I'm Aviance. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Coach Dick. So as you see, we got some some little new stuff going on here. Yeah, we're making some changes right here. Switched up. I Missing know. some people, got some new equipment. Know, equipment. Yeah, we're testing some stuff out. We're playing. You're seeing our level. transitions as we go. Yeah, that's nice. Ride the wave nice with us. That's a nice segue. Into what, Papa D? Into what you want to talk about. <laughs> Into what I want to talk about. <laughs> 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 okay, so today we're going to talk about the demands of marriage and why we can actually meet the demands of marriage. Yeah, yeah, we we going we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about we're going to give some definition. You know, one of the things that we found out over the years is most people don't define um, husbandry, wifery, marriage, and when you don't define a thing, then you don't bring clarity. You don't bring a direction you don't give a, a a destination you don't you don't you don't stabilize god defined everything he gave everything definition and there was a reason for that because it brings a level of clarity and certainty and it brings a degree of 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 stability and and strength to uh what you're what you're looking to accomplish it gives you direction and destination and when you when you the bible talks about um when we pray we pray amiss right we have no definite end to our prayer most people don't have a definite end to marriage. And when you don't have a definite end to marriage, you're liable to end up anywhere. And that anywhere is divorce. And so we, we want to give definition to marriage today. We want to give definition to husbandry. We want to give definition to wifery. And then we also want to talk about how we've been equipped. Too many of us um, within our communities don't believe that we're, we're ready for marriage. We're, we're, we, we can handle marriage. But, but that's just because they don't know better. They don't know better. And some, some people might not. Right. It all depends. But we want to give we want to give clarity to the um, to the truth that that we are we are more than able to meet the demands of marriage and the demands of marriage are built into marriage. Like 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 Sister Leslie didn't come up with the demands for marriage Like God put those demands. Actually, he he formulated those demands after he looked at us and said, listen, I'm going to put this in them. And then I'm going to I'm going I'm going to create this this mechanism called marriage that that will lead to oneness that will require what I've already put in them. Right. And that's the revelation of Jehovah Jireh that we're going we're going to dive into eventually sometime within this next 25 to 30 minutes. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> OK, we yeah. shall see how this because goes. I also want to talk about our heroic husbandry. Right. Mm. We just had our second heroic husband's challenge. And and it was great. It was it, we had some powerful things be released. We had some powerful transformational uh, insight um, as it pertains to the theme of it was the courage to love as he loved. And we actually dove into the um, the aspects of defining husbandry and what it means. And, and, and a lot of our husbands, you know, they had some great insight and great questions because most husbands never even thought about uh, definition or defining uh, husband, is there a definition to it? And so we are we are going into our third uh, heroic husbands challenge, and, and uh, I'm 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 pretty much at the point to where I want to take it public. You know, right now it's private. We we keep it within our community, but I want I want to give uh, husbands an opportunity to to experience this because it is going to not change, even though change happens, but it's going to transform. And the difference between change and transform is a lot of times change can happen on the surface. But transformation can only happen at the root. And so what we're talking about is transformational. That's why you got folk running around and talking about they got transformation. They ain't got no transformation. They, they, they fruit inspectors. They just dealing with fruit. 
They just they ain't dealing with they ain't, they not they ain't dealing with the root of the situation. <laughs> they just inspecting food. <laughs> they just looking at what's going on externally and saying you need to stop doing this, you need to stop doing that. That ain't that ain't nothing. That ain't so nothing. what is the for those who don't know what the heroic husbands challenge is? What is the purpose of heroic? Well, heroic? The, pur the purpose is to get husbands to live up to who they're designed to be. We're not asking them to be anything, be anything that they're not. Truth be told, everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs motivation. Everybody needs inspiration. Everybody needs correction. Everybody needs corrective criticism. Everybody needs to be told, get up, get back in the game. You know what? That's okay. You didn't do it that time. That's right. You can do it. Go ahead. Get back in the game. Here's what you need to do in this situation. Here's how you deal with this particular situation. Here's how you handle this conflict. Every, every, every husband, every wife, every marriage needs a coach. I mean, that's the bottom line. Every player, every athlete needs a coach. Every entrepreneur, you need a coach. You need somebody that you can go to that can coach you, that can correct you, that can change you, that can, that can help you to see what you can't see and so when we when we do that we do this in a challenging fashion you know i mean i mean that's i mean that's my life that's what i you know that's what we live by we live by and, and god will challenge you and so we want to challenge men to take on the the uh, responsibility that god has given us as as husbands like to love our spouse as christ loved the church that is a that is that is God challenging you to live up to being this man I called you to be. Live up to being this husband I called you to be. Love like I called you to love. Love like I put it in you to love. And we have to challenge you to do that because it can, it takes courage. It takes courage. It took courage for Jesus to go up on that cross. That was love personified. It took courage knowing what he was going to go, knowing that there's a possibility that they might not accept me. These folks that I'm dying for, these folks that I'm going on this cross for, these folks that I'm going to get whooped and beat for, all of them ain't going to accept me. Some of them might laugh at me. Some of them might think I'm crazy. Some of them might think I'm foolish. To courage. It takes courage to love like Christ loved the church. And so we want to, we want to, you got to be challenged. Because some, some, some jokes just let out scared. Got all that power in them. Got all that love in them. Got all that, get all that in them to love a woman and love their family to life. Got all that stuff in them. That can bring healing and power. That can, that can bring to the surface the wondrous woman. Got all that power, all that love in them. Scared. Do you think they're scared because is it is it like a vulnerability sort of thing or is it something else going on that makes them scared? Most of them are scared because of what they've seen. Most of them are scared because of what they've seen growing up in their house. What they see growing up in the street. What they see in the movies. What they hear on the music. There's a divorce culture that's that's captivating with fear many of husbands and wives and, and, and keeping them from being who God has called them to be. They're afraid because because the the verse coach say, Well, you know you can't love her like that. You gotta be careful. You got you can't you can't you can't one hundred percent trust her. You know you know you need your space too now. You know you know you know you got you know you know you can't you can't be you can't be with him all the time. Mm -hmm. Don't love him too hard. You never know what she might do. You never know what he might do. Girl, you better be careful. I just think that's interesting because for so then let me ask you this: If they're scared to love the way a husband is supposed to love, what was the point of them getting married in the first place? Is it just to not be alone? Well, no. I mean, most of them because they don't know love the way we we know love, right? Uh, they they have a hesitancy. See, the, the Bible says talks about um, perfected love casts out fear. That's that's a mature love. That's a that's a full grown love. That's a full knowledgeable love. That's a man that's knowledgeable of the functions and the and the capacities and the power and the dimensions and the dynamics of love. That's that's what that talks about. So because they're not perfected in love, we just we just in our coffee in the morning club where we where we gather with our couples in the morning, we just went through 
I think like 12 sessions of getting to know love. Most people who are married think love is an emotion. They think it's a feeling. And if that's your, if that's your level of knowledge of love, then you're ignorant. You don't know better. You just don't know. And now with that level of love, you should be afraid if you think love is just a feeling because the feelings are fleeting, right? It's like being on a roller coaster. One day you're good, one day you're not. One day you're warm, one day you're cold. One day you are, one day you, you don't. One day you feel like it, one day you don't. When you relegate love to being a feeling, but when you, when, you, when you understand love the way God intends for us to understand love, that it's a person, that it's a personality, that it's a fruit, right? That, it's, that it has a culture, that it has its own language, that it's, that, it's, that it's colorful, that it's fire, that it's spaceless, that it's timeless, that it's ageless, that it grows magnanimously, that you can't, you can't, the more you eat it, the more you use it, the more it grows. You can't diminish love. You can't subtract from love. There's no subtraction in love. Everything is multiplication. Same thing we see in the garden. When Adam ate from one of the trees, he didn't subtract anything from the tree. Why? Because within everything he ate from the tree, the seed that multiplied and reproduced, he, he ate that. Imagine it was an apple. He ate that bad boy, threw it in the ground. What happened? That thing started growing more trees. So the more you use love, the more love multiplies. When, if you don't know that, and most importantly, if you don't know that love is a law, if you don't understand that love is a law, then you'll be afraid. You don't think you can live up to it. God has made this thing so easy. He's made it so easy for us. Adam didn't want for nothing in the garden. Everything was provided. Well, you know, when you say make it so easy, is it, it reminds me of... <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, people must think I'm crazy. <laughs> easy? What are you talking about? Easy. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of the scripture where it says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So I've... Like when you say marriage is easy, it's supposed to be easy only when you're operating in the spirit because in the flesh. Right. 100% right. Okay. That's, that's what makes it hard. Your carnality. And we relate carnality to, with selfishness. We can relate carnality to ignorance. We can relate carnality to pride. Your carnality is what, what makes it difficult. Love don't fail. People do, though. But you have someone who's submitted to the source and surrendered to love. They won't fail either. They can love through anything. Say that one more time. When you have someone surrendered to love and submitted, surrendered, submitted, no, submitted to the source. Y'all be asking me to say this stuff again. I don't even know what I'm saying. We <laughs> <laughs> got someone that's, that's, that's connected to the source and surrendered to love. That's not what you said before. What I say? It that's was an S&S. It was an S&S. <laughs> that stuff just be coming out. <laughs> when you have someone, what did I say? Oh, surrendered to the source and submitted to love. No, submitted to the source and surrendered to love. That's what <laughs> one of them, one of them right. essence. Whatever it was. But when you have those two things working together, it makes it easy, right? When we understand, when we understand the dynamic of a law, God, everything about the kingdom of God is governed by laws. When you look at life from the natural, it's governed by laws. Laws are put in place to, to, to assure that a certain action or actions will, will be, will happen consistently effortlessly, consistently, over and over and over again, right? The idea behind law, the law of love, or love being the law, is that the components of love, the characteristics of love, the degrees of love, the dimensions of love, they happen. If I can get you into the law of love, then I can, I can leave you alone. Because now the actions are automatic. Laws were designed to guarantee 
a certain action every single time. He made love a law. Gravity guarantees that we walk around this thing stuck to this earth. It guarantees it. The law of lift guarantees that once you enter to that law of lift, you can supersede gravity. Guaranteed. Ain't no doubt about it. Love operates the same fashion. If I can get you into the law of love, it's guaranteed you're going to respond patiently, meekly, long-suffering, uh, uh, keeping no record of wrong, hum humbly. You're going to respond the way love will respond. And fearlessly. They, fearlessly, they would have no reason to fear it. There be no reason to fear now, yeah. right? Because you're going to respond in accordance to the law of love. Now, the one thing that can get in the way of that is your carnality, is your flesh, is your pride, is your ego. But if you can, if you can, if you surrender to love, it'll burn all that stuff up. The Bible says love is a consuming fire. See, we don't know love. So before you keep going down that, that trail, I want to make sure that we hit on the other points too. So you didn't actually define a heroic husband. So let's, so let's have them get the definition of that. So where does a heroic husband? So, so when we talk about defining things, uh, is we must understand that, that, that definitions matter. You have to have definition for life. You have to have definition uh, for everything that you do. There needs to be a definition because, again, it brings clarity, it brings stability, it brings direction, and it gives us a, dest a destination. And if you don't have a destination, you don't, if you don't know where you're going as a husband, if you don't know what it means, uh, what am I becoming, where am I going as a husband, what am, I, what am I striving to live up to as a husband, what am I doing? If we don't, if we don't know those things, then what are we doing? We just live in the mist. And so one of the definitions God gave us as it pertains to being a husband is it is the... Um, the, a man's commission, a man who's commissioned to love his wife and lead his family into experiencing our great salvation. And if you understand salvation, salvation has five ends. Wealth creation, health maintenance, deliverance, protection, and wholeness. So my responsibility as a husband, God has commissioned me. I like, I like that when the word commission came to me because it means, it means co-mission. Means, that means I'm not by myself. Co means two. I'm, somebody's with me. God is with me, and I have a mission to love my spouse. Now, again, that encompasses so much. We'd have to take time to break that down that you're not going to give me in these next, these next 15 minutes. Yeah, right? So we can't, we can't get into that. <laughs> right? <laughs> we can't get into that, but what we can get into is his responsibility to love. We know how he's, been, how he's been assigned to love. He's been commissioned. Get this. He's been commissioned to love as Christ loved the church. He's been commissioned to love. When God commissions you to do a particular thing, he's responsible to provide you with the mechanism, with the tools, with the capacity, with the capability, with the intellect, with, with everything you need to meet the demands of the, of the mission. Hence, Jehovah Jireh. We run around the church screaming and shouting. Most of the time, we regulate Jehovah Jireh to need to pay my bills this month. Mm -hmm. But that don't even begin to scratch the surface of who Jehovah Jireh is. We have to go all the way back to Adam to really get a full grasp of what it means to be of, of how our Jehovah Jireh provides for us. We see Abraham who was revealed to him Jehovah Jireh, but, but even in Abraham's situation, it was for one particular instance. But that one particular instance speaks to the, the uh, lifelong provision that our our ultimate lamb, which is Jesus Christ, means for us as far as forgiveness of sin and entering into salvation, deliverance from Adam into Christ. When we're thinking about God's providing, though, we look at Adam 
every single thing that God created. This is a powerful thought. Every single thing that God created was created to serve Adam. Was created to serve man. Everything. He provided Adam everything he needed. Listen, not just for a day. Not just for a week. Not just for six months. But for a lifetime. He would have never run out of trees to eat from in the garden. And he told him two things. You can eat of every freely, abundantly. That's the spirit of abundance. Whenever you want to, whenever you need to, feel free. I mean, everything is yours. You got everything you need. I just need you to do one thing. Dress it and keep it. And you know how you do that, Adam? By talking to him. That thing's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be hard. When God provides for us, this is how this works. As a provider, this is what he does. He sees the end from the beginning. So he goes, he looks at, from, he looks at it from the, from the end to the beginning. He says, he says, Damaris is going to need this manifested, this to meet the demands of the life that I've called him to live. He's called, he's called him to be an entrepreneur. He's called him to be a pastor. He's called him to build business. He's called him to teach. He's called him to be, be a, a, a husband, to be a, a father, to be a coach. I've, Everything he needs to meet the demands of life, that I, the life that I have for him, I'm putting it in him. We call it our gift set. So he didn't, he don't, we got this idea that God is working something out for us. If you understand Jehovah Jireh, then you know he's already worked it out. He's already, he's already provided that. I don't have to even pray for that to overcome that. I need a revelation. I need that which my provider has already provided to be revealed to me. Revelation is not creation. There's a big difference. He's not creating it at that moment. He's already done it. It's like us being sitting in this room and, 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 and on that side of the room, it's pitch black dark. On this side, you thirst is all get out. You need something to drink. You parched. And, we, and, I, and I'm saying, I'm saying, obviously, there's water right here in the room, but you can't see it. Mm-hmm. Then one of the babies come in and turn the light on. The water been there the whole time. I didn't create the water. Mm-hmm. It's been sitting there the whole time. But when the light come on, what happened? It was revealed to you that this water sitting right over there on the desk. Mm-hmm. We need a revelation of what has already been provided. Most folks want him to come and create something right there on the spot because they don't know Jehovah Jireh. Now, they might run around the church and do all that other stuff, but they don't have a clue what they're doing. When it comes to marriage, marriage has its own demands built into it. God says, listen, I'm going I'm to create them in my image and in my life. I'm going to make them love. I'm going to create them just like me with this capacity to love. Every attribute of love is able to meet the demands of oneness. You talked about carnality, flesh, pride. Love will burn all that stuff up. Did you have something? No. Okay. She's just listening. She needs to do, do something. Okay. I'm Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't. Oh boy. All right. So I I love I love that um, that you actually explain commission mm-hmm. because that word is used a lot when people are sent out. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we truly understand that you are with someone in this in this mission. So I like that because I think as husbands, when you talk about like how scared and how fearful they are, they can sometimes feel alone, too, because a lot of men don't have anyone around them to talk to that is of wisdom mm-hmm. and more so just advice or opinion. Mm-hmm. So I like that you did that. So then let's go to defining a wondrous wife. So yeah, I like this what one. is she? I like this one. Uh, so, so, so we define the woman's wife as a woman commissioned to love her husband and navigate the family into the joys of our great salvation. This is slightly different. 
-hmm. slightly different, right? Um, when we talk about, when we think about a woman or a wife loving her husband, when we think about a wife loving her husband, that, that, that particular um, dynamic has different facets. It's the same thing for a husband too. It's just different, different facets of how we love. But, but a wife's, a wife's uh, love for a husband is, is, is seen in her honoring, in her respecting, in her submission, right? And, and also in her navigation. Now, here's the challenge. Because most husbands want to be nurtured. They don't want to be navigated. The idea of navigating is, is the husband's role is to lead. The wife's role is to navigate. So the husband says, let's go to Detroit. The wife figures out the most efficient way to get to Detroit. Mm -hmm. She figures out the, the, the places we can stop on the way to Detroit and the children can have fun. She thinks about the safest way to get to Detroit. The quickest way to get to Detroit. What, what restaurants are along the way that we can stop at so that we can enjoy and we can eat as a family, right? Well, what, she, she makes sure that the husband goes right instead of left, <laughs> right? She makes sure that the, right, so she navigates. She navigates, and, but, but in order for her to be effective, you gotta have husbands who understand that. Because, because if you got a husband that wants to be nurtured and not navigated, then he's not gonna want her telling him what to do. Mm -hmm. He gonna wanna try to do everything on his own, and then when he mess up, Correct me, but when you correct me, make sure you correct me nicely, right? So it's 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 a it's a big difference in 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 the two in the two roles as far as he's he leading he loves and he leads, she loves and she navigates, but if we don't understand that, and one of the things we get our husbands to understand is that that's not your mama, mm -hmm. your wife ain't your mama. She's not supposed to talk to you like she's your mama. She's supposed to talk to you like you're a man. A mother nurtures you from childhood to boyhood. A woman navigates you from boyhood to manhood. Or a wife, I should say, not a woman, a wife, I'm sorry. A wife takes you from, from she, she, she takes you, she, actually she takes you from, from, from manhood to a whole nother level. I, I don't even, I, I gotta think more about that, but it's, it's a whole nother degree. See, 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 Bobby says it like this. After Adam got his assignment, God made a, 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 a I'm talking about, you're talking about Adam created, Adam was considered the son of God. The son of God. He named all the animals. He gave all them bad boys names. The idea that, the thing that says this, now I'm, I'm, I'm setting some up. The idea that says this, it is, the Bible says when he, he breathed into his nostril the breath of life. That word breathe there in the Hebrew means God blew his mind into Adam. Mm. He blew his mind into Adam. God blew his mind into Adam. Adam could think like God. And he proved it to him. He said, name all these animals which told him he had mastery, he had dominion. He blew his mind into Adam. Mm -hmm. But then he said, but wait, it ain't good. This ain't good enough. He still ain't ready. He ain't good enough to fulfill the mandate that I put in his life. He needs some help. He gave him a woman. He gave him a wife. You want to talk about powerful? You want to talk about solution? A wife? You know what? Okay. We're talking about the son of God. With the mind of God. Still ain't good enough. What made him able? His wife. Okay. So when, when you say such power, though. So I need you to do something because when you say power and submission, people don't think of that in the same way. Like, they, they really don't think that submission and power should be on, on the same line at all. Can so, I say why they don't think that? Okay, why? They're ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> 
They don't know better. That's all. Divorce coach ain't going to teach you that. Divorce coach is going to teach you the opposite. They're going to they want you to think the opposite. But go ahead. How powerful is submission? Submission is an expression not just of a wife, but of a husband, because the Bible says submitting ourselves one to another. Mm-hmm. So submission is a mutual. Jesus was just as submitted to us as we are to him. That's what folks don't understand, mm-hmm. right? But submission, the, 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 the idea of it is to, be, is, to be, is to be motivated by love to tenderly devote myself to bringing out the best in you. To tenderly devote myself to bring out all that woman inside of you. As a woman, as a husband, as a wife, to bring out all that king inside of you. I'm going to tenderly devote myself because I love you to bring out of you everything God, all that son of God in you, all that king in you, all that life in you. I'm going to devote myself to bring that out of you. You're not, submission is not technically, if you look at it the way God intended for it to be, you're submitted to the purpose. You're submitted to the power. You're submitted to the life more than you are the husband. You're submitted to what God has ordained you to be as a wife. You're submitted to the, to the laws that govern wivery. You're submitted to the love that governs wivery. That's what you submit to. But the idea is to be tenderly devoted to bring out all that power inside of my king. And the same thing for a husband is to submit myself to bring out all that woman, all that wondrous power flowing inside of you. Every gift, every talent, every idea, every, every, all the stuff we read about in Proverbs 31. To bring all, I'm to love all that out of you through my submission to you. Mm. That's the power of submission. That's the power. Abigail submitted to David. When David was, he was going to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. She submitted to the king in him. Dave said, my God, God has sent you here this day, girl. So, okay, so when, when we talk about practically what that looks like, so when you speak of Abigail, Abigail was by her tongue, like the way that she spoke. So, so, so submission isn't just, isn't just like acts of service. It can also be in the way that I speak to you. Submission, submission at its core is a spirit, and it's a part of the spirit of loving. It can be manifested in a multiplicity of ways. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, like you said, how you speak. I could even go back further than that. I could say how you, what you believe about your spouse, what you think about your spouse, then what you say about your spouse. We were talking, we were talking the other day in the Coffee in the Morning Club, and, and, and everything you say, because we were created to be speaking spirits. Like, like the work of, of the spirit is speaking. The work of the spirit is speaking. The work, the work, the heavy lifting of your marriage is not the do's and don'ts that the counselor give you. The heavy lifting of your marriage is what you say about your marriage. Mm-hmm. That's the heavy lifting. It's what you say. And when you, whatever you say, when you say it, where you say it, and how you say it matters. Just because you don't say it in front of your husband, but you're saying it to your girlfriends, don't mean it don't have an effect on you. Mm-hmm. When you're saying what he ain't, and what he should be doing, and what he could be doing, and I wish he was this, that has an effect. He might not hear you saying it, but who hear you saying it more than anybody? You hear yourself, you hear yourself saying it. Right. It has an effect on you. So stop saying what you want to, whatever you want to say about your husband when he ain't around. Stop saying whatever you want to say about your wife when she ain't around. Because it has an effect on the relationship and it has an effect on you more than anybody else. That's the first thing. So what you say, what you do, what you think, what you believe, all of that is embodied in how you submit to your spouse. And again, people don't know that. So we just, we're just going in circles. That's a lot of meat right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just going in circles. Okay. So look at... 
Wow, look at you. We're going out time. Well, we still got to define, we got to define marriage. We got to, okay. we got to, we got to find a define You marriage. got a minute and 40 seconds. Um, God's <laughs> mechanism for husbands and wives to experience and enjoy the intimacies, the pleasures, the power, and the purpose of oneness. Now, again, the definition or the destination of marriage is not the bedroom. The destination of marriage is not children. The destination of marriage includes the bedroom. It includes children, but it's oneness on all three levels. Spiritually, which deals with what we believe and how we speak. Soulishly, which deals with what we, what, we, what we think, what we feel, what we desire. And physically, which speaks to the sensuality and the sexuality and the economics of our life. So oneness on all three levels is the end of marriage. And when we define, when we give definition to marriage, when we give definition to husbandry, when we give definition to wifery, we can't lose. Well, I'm sorry, I missed one. When we understand that God has already provided everything that I need to meet the demands of marriage, just like he provided everything Adam needed to meet the demands of life, just like he provided everything we need to meet the, the calling that's upon our life. When we see these things, we understand these things, we know these things, we master these things, how can we lose? If you was to take just one nugget from from uh oh no we do have a coffee in the morning club tomorrow yes uh, okay but if, if if you were to take one nugget from the coffee in the morning clubs from this week from monday and wednesday what would be one nugget that that you feel you would this, say right now oh man what was it it was, it was what we said wednesday i said uh what did i say wednesday oh man i i, I think I, I i talked about it what did i say it was um i would have to go back and look at the the, the um PowerPoint. Huh? the powerpoint the powerpoint what was it it was it was something i said I didn't plan to say it, it just came out though. But it had to do with it had to do with speaking. It had to do with speaking. Man, I'm sorry I can't think of it. But but one one of the most important things we talked it was working out Wednesday. And what we talk about is working out, working out the fruit of loving. And it had to do with mm, it was good. I was like, I was talking less about it. But it had to do with speaking and how we speak. And how we how we use our words to manifest the marriage we've always imagined. Mm. how we use our words to manifest the marriage you've always imagined. You can imagine um, the marriage you want all your life. You can imagine every single day. But if you don't speak in accordance to what you imagine, you'll never see it. And most marriages, the husband and the wife, they see the, they, that's what it was. That's what it was. It was, it was, it was, it was, even when you see the worst of your husband, don't speak of it as if it can never change. Mm -hmm. Right? The things that are temporal are changeable by that which is eternal. Love is eternal, and the components of love is eternal. Right? So when we see the worst of our spouse, still speak the best of our spouse. Because eventually, when you speak the best, Abigail saw the worst of David. She saw David coming to kill everybody. Mm -hmm. But when she started talking to him, she didn't talk to him about that. She said, my, he's, a, he's a fool. He's foolish. I'm only going to go ahead and admit it. He's foolish. But he's still my husband. And you, right now you angry, but you are king. And I know that. I need you to tap into the king right now, right? So, so even when we, when we understand that, 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 that our work as spirit beings is using our words to frame our, our marriage, using our words to frame husbandry, using our words to frame wivery, 
when we understand that, that our words was what was given to us so that we can create what we were called to create and we can build what God wants us to build. In this case, a marriage that's magnificent, a marriage that's, that's masterful, a marriage that's beautiful, a marriage that's lovely, a marriage that's peaceful. When we understand that, then we'll, we'll see that divorce rate take a sharp decline. But we have to be in the right culture. We have to be in the right community. That's why we created Coffee in the Morning Club. So, Kaylin, why don't you why don't you close it out? Let them know where they can find us in this community. Coffee in the Morning Club dot com. <laughs> <laughs> no, join us Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays. Just go to Coffee in the Morning Club dot com. Give us your information, and we will like, give we you everything that you need. Right so you need to take advantage always, of it. It ain't gonna always be like that. And no. we have no idea when that date gonna we, change. We, we, like, like we let people in for free. I mean, we, people are. I mean, we, one day we're going to have to have some people just talk about the impact that it's had on them. And right. I'm talking about singles, talking mm -hmm. about, man. Yeah, it's not about, just for married right, couples. Right, not just married couples, right. we got singles saying, phew, I'm glad I heard. Like, like part of the problem we have, we have with divorce rate is lack of preparation. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you got, you got a divorce culture whose end goal is divorce, trying to prepare people for a lifetime of marriage. How upside down is that? How backwards is that? It'll never happen. Right. It never happened. You need to be in a whole different culture. Our culture of love and oneness that we've created in, in, in our Coffee in the Morning Club community is, is where they need to be. Absolutely. Yep. So, coffeeinthemorningclub.com. Sign up. It's free right now. So, please sign up ASAP. <laughs> ASAP. My bad. My bad. I, I mean, I, I just come out. Just come out. I'm sorry. Come on. Just this thing. <laughs> So thank you for joining us this week. Tune in next week when we have another. Is it? Do you know what our topic is next week? I don't. Give a little teaser. Uh, no, no teaser. Uh, no. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next week we'll be talking about. We'll be talking about the um, how to manifest. Mm. Is this? It'll be this week's coffee in the morning club. How to manifest the marriage you've always imagined, and we mm. break it down. There's five. There's five steps. There's five things you got to be able to do to manifest the marriage you've always imagined. All right, so tune in next week for that. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you then. All I do is win, 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 no matter what.